0: Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end. With friends we never want to leave. Over food we probably shouldn't be eating. Welcome to Diner Talks with James. I'm James. What's going on, friends? I'm so excited to have you here. We got a special episode. My dear friend, Jess Ekstrom, is with me. She's going to make you laugh. She's going to make you think. She's going to make you wonder, maybe I need to sell my house and go travel around the country in an RV. It's great. She's very influential. But before that, my friends, we have some standards here. And also, please check it out. We're still in the middle of moving right now. So I hope the internet sounds good. Let's find out, shall we? Great. Uh, But either way, my friends, I am excited to have you here in the diner and let's jump in with tonight's top three, top three. First off, we lost an icon. We lost an icon, my friends. And so I want to give you the top, my top three favorite quotes of the one and only Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So here are my top three favorite quotes from RBG, notorious RBG to you, folks. All right, here we go. I ask no favor for my sex. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. What a boss. Next. I would like to be remembered as someone who used whatever talent she had to do the work to the very best of her ability. I love that one. One of my favorite quotes of all time is from one of my favorite movies of all time. It's called The Bronx Tale. And one of my favorite quotes from that is, the worst thing in life is wasted talent. RBG, you most certainly did not waste your talent. And my favorite quote from RBG is one that most people know, uh, but I love it as well. Fight for the things that you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. Can I get an amen up in here? RBG, Thank you. Thank you for what you did, for what you fought for, for what you stood up for. Yes, you had your flaws. You didn't nail it every single time, but damn it, our country is in a better place because you served. Thank you, RBG. Appreciate you. Next, top three, top three. We out here. So... As I mentioned, Jessica Ekstrom is currently traveling around the country in an airstream. Uh, and that is impressive. And that is impressive. Uh, but it got me thinking if I was going to do the RV thing, I'd probably check off national parks. I know Jess has been doing a number of those. We'll get to some of that. But here are my top three national parks that I've currently visited. I got a ton more on the list. So uh, my favorite nat- uh, top three national parks. First off, number three is Haleakala. This is in Hawaii. Uh, Yes, I just put this on here to flex that I've been to Hawaii. I'm just kidding. It was stunning. We went up to the top of this volcano and we watched the sunset over the clouds. At one point, we drove through the clouds, came out on the other side, watched the sunset into the clouds. And then the Milky Way came out and it was outrageous. It was beautiful. Next, Yosemite. Yosemite. That one's going to sting for Jess, but that's okay. Um, Next one is Yosemite. What an incredible park. When I first showed up, it was completely encased in fog. And I said, really? Really? I drove all this way and came all the way out here. I only had one day there, and the whole thing was in fog. I couldn't see it, but then the fog slowly started to lift, and it was so magical. It was incredible. Uh, And last but not least, my friends, I don't care if it's cliche. I will say it all day. The Grand Canyon. Have you ever been with a friend and they told you about a movie and they sold you that movie. And they said, you know, you don't understand this movie is so good. It's incredible. you got to see this movie. This movie is going to change your life. You ever been with someone like that? And then you go see the movie and you're like, mm. I mean, that was maybe two stars, right? Like maybe that was maybe 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. My friends, the Grand Canyon, no matter how much I tell you how beautiful it is, you will have an experience when you go and it is incredible. It's just one of those things that defies those. And also I got to take a helicopter tour over it. So that makes it special too. Those are my top three national parks. Last but not least, in honor of Jess Ekstrom's rolling experience that she is having right now. I once rented an RV with two of my friends. One of them, now my now wife, Tina, and another buddy, Steve, rented an RV to go to the Indianapolis 500. We picked it up in D.C. and we drove over and we slept in the fields in the RV. It was a fascinating cross-section of American culture. <laughs> And it was awesome. But the three things that I learned in an RV are this. Number one, I don't fit in the shower. (laughs) I don't fit in the shower. You gotta grease me up to get me in there. Number two, is that you don't want to be the third wheel on an RV trip because the two of us were up front and then there was always somebody in the back and they were having a very different solitary experience because they can't hear the two people that are driving. Tina just basically sat in the back and read Harry Potter the whole time, but she said it was lovely. And last but not least... The number one thing that I learned when in, in an RV is that when the air conditioning breaks and you are in the middle of a wide ass open field in Indiana at the Indianapolis 500, you sweat a lot, and your boy doesn't like to sweat while he sleeps. Those are tonight's top three. Top three, my friends. Let's jump into this episode. My guest this evening. Is the one and only Jessica Ekstrom. She is a dear friend of mine. We've known each other for a while. We met on the speaker circuit, and a great friendship came around from it. Uh, I've met her dog, Ali. Her husband is an incredible human being. Shout out to Jake. But Jess, Jess is just one of those folks that you meet, and you don't really understand how everything that she does, she does because it seems effortless on the outside, but she busts her ass. She has one of the best work ethics of anybody I know. She started a business at 19 that impacted hundreds of individuals, thousands of individuals, excuse me, that suffer from childhood cancer. It's called Headbands of Hope. Every time you support her business, she donates another headband to young uh, young folks with cancer. She's been able to donate to every single children's hospital in the country, which is incredible, and a whole bunch internationally. She also wrote a book, called Chasing the Bright Side. Your boy punched up some of the jokes in the book, but please know that it was all her. I just lied to her and told her I made it funnier. Next and last is that she is one of the most powerful speakers that I have ever had an opportunity to spend time with. I mean, her grace and her kindness off the stage doubles that of what she's able to do on the stage. She is just a wonderful human being. I'm excited for you to meet her. Let's bring her out right now. The one, the only, Jess Ekstrom.
1: Woo. What's Thanks up fam? Me. Hello. Hello. Okay. First, I didn't realize you were going to make me cry one with RBG and two with my introduction. So you should have given me a little heads up. <laughs> <laughs> can Thank
0: make you. It. <clears throat> for sure. No, Jess, you are, uh, you're incredible and I'm super excited to have you here and kicking it with the diner. Jess, are you a, are you a late night eater? Is it, you, do you do any late night snacking?
1: I'm a morning, like I'm a morning person, but I, I mean, I've been known to get into some popcorn late at night. That's like Mm. my late night snack is get that
0: popcorn. popcorn. Okay. Get it popping
1: if you will. Yeah. Oh,
0: and, and I will, and I will.
1: (laughs) I feel like whenever I talk to you, like my humor switches to James humor, like I have this like extra part in my brain and I'm like, what would James like? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> thank you yeah, <laughs> so but it's interesting because you grew up in the south north carolina in the building yeah. um and uh, so i mean you were surrounded by waffle houses when you were younger did you ever hit it up were, were you at, was waffle house always a morning adventure for you or oh. did you not go to waffle house because that's not what we do
1: waffle house was like if you were serious with a boy like yeah. you would go to waffle house at night like after like a dance or a party like Mm -hmm. that is kind of where it went down was waffle house (laughs) actually they would call it wahoo if you will
0: the wahoo of course yeah the wahoo yeah
1: yeah Yeah. so waffle house (laughs) is a little scandalous in my book
0: (laughs) oh wow look at you a wholesome eatery <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, so it's funny. We were driving by a Denny's the other day, and it was like, Denny's now has happy hour. I'm like, what would you do? Like, go there and get like a cosmopolitan and a pancake? Like, it just seems like such a contradicting thing. But I'm like, that actually sounds amazing. And I want to go to Denny's happy hour and get a cosmo and a pancake.
0: <laughs> it's one of the few places you can do that.
1: Right? I mean, I'm like, that's their yeah. special sauce, you know?
0: That is their special sauce. Yeah. Cosmopolitan's Denny's special sauce. (laughs) Uh, It's funny in New York, all the diners there uh, always have these incredible bars behind them. And you're like, who is coming through and ordering like a Rob Roy neat right now, or who's coming through and ordering like this crazy drinks. Uh, Someone. Someone. It's there for a a reason. reason.
1: It's like the, the rules, the signs that you see in parks and it's like, don't ride the turkeys here, and you're just like, who the fuck would ride the turkeys? Like what? And you're like, somehow, somewhere, that sign was born because of something that existed, you know. Yep. And so, I think about that a lot.
0: Yeah, for sure. There's so many absurd signs in the world. I love when you drive yeah. around uh, neighborhoods that contain old people, um, and and the speed limit is always like twelve miles an hour. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like, why not 15? Why not 10?
0: Yeah, exactly. But yet I'm like, I wonder if I could drive 12 and then I do it. I don't know. Um, Yeah.
1: Challenge so, accepted.
0: Exactly, Jess. Where in the world are you right now? You're as, as I mentioned, you're in an Airstream traveling around the world. Yeah. Uh, around not around the world, around the country. Um, but where yeah, I mean, where are you all right now? It actually is
1: a submarine as well, so we can go around the world. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, Shout out to yeah. Airstream. That's why, yeah, that's why it's that cylindrical <laughs> thing. But um, yeah, yeah. so we are in Napa right now. But it stung when you said Yosemite because we were supposed to be in. Yosemite this week, but um, because of the fires, we've had to reroute. So please pray for me, I'm in Napa. I don't really know what to do here besides Um, strength.
0: uh, Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tough life over here in Napa. Yeah, for sure.
0: You can do some French laundry there um, as well. I
1: just heard about that. Have you been there?
0: I have not, no, no. Apparently it means it's it's one of those restaurants that was rated one of the best in the world though, and is always up there on all the lists. michelin tires think it's delicious so
1: i i heard about it from someone here at the rv park and i came back and i was like jake there's this place called folded laundry that like is like the best (laughs) the best restaurant that we have to go to so he looked it up he's like are you sure it's called folded laundry and i was like maybe i was wrong it's french laundry
0: (laughs) there (laughs) it is there it is there it is sounds like you're ready for a night of fine dining jess <laughs> true
1: true but we were also laughing because we were like imagine because it's like a year out reservation to get at this place yeah. imagine if you did that and then COVID happened and they were like you can have takeout it's like imagine spending like a year <laughs> waiting and a 400 hundred dollar meal in a to-go bag it's like
0: the, pain, the
1: agony yeah the
0: pain is that pate gonna make it all the way home in its current state? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but actually, uh, yeah, no, that's super. That's super frustrating. A lot of people, a lot of people getting hosed by this COVID thing, um, mm-hmm. for sure. <clears throat> but Jess, it's amazing that you have been able to get out here into this RV. I mean, how did that experience even happen? Like, when was the? When was it? Like, when did you and Jake look at each other and be like RV? RV. Like like how yeah. did the idea even happen?
1: There was a moment. We call it the coconut shrimp that changed our life.
0: Perfect. And
1: we had just gotten married and we had these gift cards to different restaurants in Raleigh. And uh, one of them was to Bonefish Grill. So we went to Bonefish Grill and we ordered this coconut shrimp. And I had just gotten back from, my parents had been traveling in an RV for I mean, right now, I think they just crossed their six-year mark. They've been full-time in an RV. Shout out to XM's Rolling. Right? Yeah, (laughs) I know. I'm sure my mom is going to be tuning in in a second. But uh, so they had been in the RV for a while. I just went, had a speaking gig somewhere in like Utah where I went and saw them in the RV. And so we're eating this coconut shrimp. And I'm like, you know, it's so cool to be able to travel, but still have like the familiarity of your own home and like a, your same pillow, you have your kitchen and all of that. And, um, and I was like, you know, we should do that when we retire. And like, that should be our retirement plan is to go travel. Like what my parents did. Cause my parents sold their company, sold their house. Like this is like their plan. And, uh, so we're eating and we were like, okay, we literally like don't even have a retirement yet. We don't even have kids yet. Like that's going to be a good, 20, 25 years. By that time, there's probably going to be like spaceships. That's like the retirement plan, you know, that you can take, you know, to Mars. But um, we're like, we don't want to wait till like one day. And we just thought, like, well, what would it take to do that now? And I feel like that was, um, it started this conversation that we almost like pretended to go all in. So we're like, okay, let's just say, fuck it, we're going in an Airstream. Like, this is what we're doing. And what would our life look like if that was like a hard decision that we made? We're like, okay, we have to rent out our place. We have to um, figure out, you know, if my business can sustain us from the road or if you can do your job moat and we'd have to figure out, can we buy an RV? What does that yep. cost? What's the budget? And then once we like pretended to go all in and started kind of going through the motions, then it just became harder to stop. And so I think sometimes like, <laughs> when you're thinking about something that you want to do that feels big, I just say like, pretend to go all in, like give yourself like a time frame, whether it's like Mm. a few days, a week, even a month, like go all in on it and, and just see like how it feels. Cause a lot of times the hesitation is just like breaking that seal of fear. And so we just kind of little by little started crossing, crossing things off. And then we're like, Oh, guess we're doing this. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> we can actually yeah. do this. We can pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And But the thing at the same time, there wasn't that like certainty though. You know, it yeah. wasn't like we're going to be okay because I've done all this math and we're good. It was just like, I'd rather fail at doing this than wonder what could have been. Yeah. And Jake's really good at thinking about like, well, what's the worst case scenario? We go out there and we, you know, your business tanks and we go bankrupt we go home and I get a job. And you know, that's it. Or like, we go out and we hate it. Okay, Mm -hmm. well, it has wheels, you turn around and you go back. So (laughs) a lot of like the worst case scenarios didn't seem that bad. Um, And so we're like, Okay, let's, let's do it. And it was not smooth sailing in the beginning. I will tell you that it was not like heaven, you see like the Instagram like, Oh, I'm just sipping my coffee in my home that's overlooking a mountain. It's like, well, that's probably like you probably like you know didn't barely made it up the mountain because your truck didn't couldn't like tow it enough and it took you two hours to make coffee because you didn't have any power and so it was not (laughs) it's not like this picturesque thing um but little by little we kind of found our groove in it and also like our roles like what does he do what does i do how do we make this work
0: yeah for sure yeah, I was going to say that's an interesting thing is like trying to figure out some of those roles of like where like I mean is it is it like a typical home where it's like all right I do the dishes and you do the laundry or is it like how does right. that I mean I'll fetch the pail of water and you go catch the fish like yeah. <laughs> like, like what what have, what have been some of those interesting roles that you didn't think about in the beginning but then you're like no we need we need somebody to do this routinely for us.
1: I mean, I usually hunt and catch dinner. Jake's the gatherer.
0: Mm, okay. <laughs> great, great, great. Perfect.
1: <laughs> he would be he, like he would make be so pissed right now because he goes hunting every year and he's never shot a deer before. But um so he's a very what, he's we... a
0: very kind hunter. Peter likes Yeah. It, yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um so we kind of like at first it was just a cluster because we were like how do you tow this? It actually arrived dented because the person that was delivering it like backed it in somewhere at a gas station. And so we have this massive dent in the back left of our Airstream, (laughs) like literally before we even touched it. And at first we were like, oh my gosh, we have to get this fixed. It's, you know, what are we gonna do? And then we were like, well, if it's already dented, we're probably going to dent it again or like scratch it up somehow. Like, looks like we just got that out of the way. Yeah. Um. So that kind of it was funny. It kind of like changed our tone in the beginning of like, it's already, it's like the first scratch on your car and you just, <laughs> you stop holding your breath around it because you're yeah. like, well, I already fucked it up. So, you know, we're good. <laughs> Let's like get that out of the way. Um. So as far as like our roles, it was a little confusing in the beginning because I was starting my Like I was running Headbands of Hope, but I was also trying to kind of like, I had turned in my manuscript for Chasing the Bright Side, but I hadn't really gone all in on this like personal brand side, Mm -hmm. trying to build that. Jake was like doing remote work for his like sales job that he had in Raleigh, and it just wasn't really working with as far as schedule. And so we had, we made this leap of like, I'm going to work. And he's going to do all the logistics of this trip because we realized it was so there was so much to do, whether it was like reservations or even just navigation. Like sometimes you can't go on like regular roads when you're towing um, maintenance, all of it. And so that and for a while, it kind of changed the um, tone of my work for the worse, because I felt like being the person that was working I was like this has to work you know like before that I was just kind of throwing shit at the wall see what sticks like yeah launch a course like cool I'm writing a book whatever but then when it's when I felt like I was putting that pressure on myself like work started to be like oh my gosh this is like make or break you know when it wasn't but um you know I worked out of that which we can get more into in a bit but uh what we've kind of come to realize is like Jake is really good at handling so many things that mm-hmm. also allows me to this is going to make me sound super like maybe bougie but <laughs> like be in my <laughs> like best work mind you know sure, yeah. if yeah. i am writing a book or launching a course or doing a webinar but i'm also like where are we going to sleep tonight like that those things don't work where he's like i got the reservation I've gone grocery shopping. I've done all this. He does a lot more now, actually, with my work, but um, he's really handled a lot of logistics with a trip. So that way yeah. I can financially support it, um, which just actually turned out to be like my business grew because of going on this trip and just kind of like the unique part of it, which, you know, was kind of weird, but also kind of cool.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. That's yeah. super cool. And here's the thing: like right before you went on this trip, uh, right, You said you got married, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I was there. I remember it. I think um, so. Yeah. <laughs> still there. Yeah. Still there. Still there. It was a it was a beautiful day. Um, and you uh, and- an
1: awesome officiant. It was just the best.
0: Oh, thank you, friend. Thank <laughs> the you.
1: The only my only um, air of grievance is that people talk about you more than they talk about me. Mm. I'm the bride. You know, I feel like the attention should have been on me, but yeah. no, I'm just joking. <laughs> nope. S-
0: sucks to suck. So uh no. <laughs> <laughs> No, you look you looked absolutely stunning that day, uh, and uh, yeah, it was it was so special. to get to meet your family awesome. uh, as well, and, and that cool on that cool of a level at, at such a special time. Um, but uh, it's so interesting because you know while we were going through the process of getting ready for your wedding, and you know we had a couple of meetings just so I could learn a little bit more about your love. Uh, it was it was super fun to have those conversations, and then it's one thing to talk about right. It's one thing to dream about the RV trip okay here's what it's gonna be we're gonna feed chipmunks i'm gonna be snow white in this bitch right like like it's one thing to like picture this thing you know. wake up to the sounds of mockingbirds in new hampshire right like whatever um and so like it all sounds beautiful uh but then the rubber hits the road quite literally um how has it been yeah. for your relationship? And like, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously you're still together, so it's good. This is not a publicity stunt. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, but well, I'd be curious to hear what were, some, what were some of those things that you had to learn pretty quickly about your relationship from the jump?
1: So I had to learn a little bit about our difference of like our ambition, my ambition in my life is a lot like work driven. You know, I Mm want to be this, do this, create this, make this. Whereas Jake's is, I want to feel this. I want to love this. Mm -hmm. I want to have a family and I want to be like a present dad. I want to be a supportive husband. And, you know, he had like a really great cushy like sales job, you know, when we were in Raleigh. And so it, switching to like looking at my income was it changed for a second in our relationship where I felt like sometimes I had a bad habit of keeping score like like Hmm. well I'm doing all of this you know where like what are you doing and not that I didn't feel like he was doing anything but I was like okay we need to both be here but I was only looking at that in terms of this like one track of ambition that was important to me and with Jake he is so um present like i guess is the word and like purposeful with how he lives his life yeah. and that his success doesn't come from like how far he reaches in his job or in his career but it's like w- the lifestyle that he can make for me and him and our future kids and the love that he can come at like with like this morning I was so frazzled about, you know, something that happened at work and he made sure to just like close my laptop, like, like, let's sit, like, why don't you just talk to me about it and talk me through it. And he's just so good at keeping me grounded. And because he has this totally different ambition mindset than I have. And for a while, I was like, um, is that, like, do we understand each other? Does he understand my work? You know, does he understand what I'm trying to do? And now I realize that it's not just about understanding what he does. It's, like, this, the ultimate compliment to it. Because sometimes he needs to bring me down because I'm, like, way too wound up about a video freezing or whatever. Um, And uh, so it has been, like a really interesting year, especially being in the Airstream to figure out, um, how we work together and like what our ambition is as a couple and not just as individuals.
0: Yeah. And it's got to be hard, Jess, in the, in the beginning. Maybe hard is not the right word, um, but uh, but it's got to be interesting, difficult, hard, whatever. Um, when, as someone who is as driven as you are, right, crazy work ethic, right, started a company at nineteen in college. You're like, I'm bored. I'm going to start a company. Um, and uh, like people wait till after. I'm not doing that, um, right? Started a company. Nobody like, got you gotta, time for that. Yeah. You know, like, come on now. Um, and so, uh, but like you're someone who hustles, right? You have ideas Mm -hmm. and then those ideas come to life because of your work ethic and the team that you've built around you. Um, When you think about that, it would be easy for us to also be like, well, I need to have a partner that also matches my hustle, right? Like we got to be out there like banging on full cylinders and like, hell yeah, we're going like, we're constantly like igniting each other's fireworks. Right. Um, And we're just going out, getting after it. Um, But what was that process like for you in recognizing that where Jake is and how Jake is was actually super helpful for you and what you needed? And mm-hmm. in that moment where you're like, oh, wait, this is actually really, this is a really important yin to my yang. And, and what was that moment like? And, and how did that come out? Was that something that, did he call you out? And just be like, oh, this is me, um, right? Yeah. Or uh, or was it like, you know what happened?
1: Well, let me rewind a little bit, because I thought for a while that, um, you know, that that was what I was going to be looking for, like someone that was going to be just this ultimate go getter and just I'll sleep when I'm dead hustle mentality, because that was like what I subscribe to. And I dated some of those guys like, you know, and it was. A nightmare. Like, I felt like every date was like, a, well, what did you do today? Because I, you know, drank like raw egg for breakfast and then I, you know, <laughs> cranked out all these push ups and like all this stuff. And so I feel like I did um, date some of those guys and it just felt like it wasn't fueling our fire. It was like competing. Mm. And um a lot of guys are intimidated by a woman who maybe is like is going for it sure and um
0: and and there were some
1: yeah there were some guys that like tried to were like oh you're doing headbands like that's cute and uh (laughs) just like oh my god you gotta be kidding me uh and you know i wasn't gonna allow anyone to make me feel small and then when i met jake his mindset was like, what like his role in our relationship or part of his role, he takes as he takes like pride in the things that I create because he know he was a part of creating them, and the confidence that I have. Um, sorry, I almost just cried. <laughs> like beautiful. the the confidence that he's given me. Sorry. (laughs) He, um, like I don't think I would be able to create the things that I create without feeling as good as I do, because he's made me feel like I am like the best person in the world. And so I don't Um, think I could show up on social media or show up and stand in front of thousands of people or show up and host these like virtual conferences you know, in front of people all over the world without someone standing three feet away from me because we live in an Airstream that's like, (laughs) you're the fucking best. You know, like, I don't think I would have been able to do any of that had he not seen that in me. Mm -hmm. Um, So he is so much a part of like, whatever I've done, but also in the technical side. I mean, he's like, we've been bombarded hosting this virtual conference for authors and he's on customer service emails today. Like, making sure everyone's chill and like answering questions and so he's like not afraid of being he doesn't care about being the face he he's gonna roll up his sleeves and make sure like that are um like we both have that same north star so Mm -hmm. um yeah i'll stop there
0: Uh, no need i was in it y'all i'm getting welled up over here i mean i'm also a notorious sap so um my fake lashes
1: are gonna fall off yeah
0: oh yeah mine too girl Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) you kidding me it's getting windy over here i'm batting my eyes so much Uh, (laughs) uh but that is i mean that's beautiful Right. And, and that's beautiful. And I think, you know, obviously the fact that you did a little bit of trial and error on the front end and you dated those individuals mm-hmm. that are out here getting gains with a Z. Um, right. Yeah. And that, that wasn't your type of folk. Uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's awesome that you learned that. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that in the middle of the hustle that you, that there wasn't a little bit of tension, right? You talked a little bit about that, um, where yeah. it was just like, no, we got to move. No, we got to go. This is it, um, right? And uh, But having somebody to slow you down is so beautiful, is really important. Um, and it's that's, it's something that I don't often ask for. It's something that I don't even necessarily know uh, that that I wanted or needed. Um, in my previous relationship, I certainly had that, uh, but almost too much. Um, and uh, I, I kind of went with someone who I was like, oh no, everybody say opposites attract. And so you should be in a relationship with someone who's very different than you. And, and I found someone yes. who was an incredible human being um, and it was very different than me. And it just didn't quite work for various reasons um, and uh, a number of which were my fault, but keeping it moving. Um, but the thing is, um, is that, uh, you know, in my new relationship, I recently started counseling again, <clears throat> because I'm trying to do a little bit of work on uh, uh, just on me, and I want to give myself a little bit of time and and, and whatnot. And, uh, and one of the questions that the counselor asked me was, Uh, you know, she said, you know, I hear that you say you beat yourself up a lot. You don't let yourself have the wins. You don't hear compliments. You don't take compliments. You don't think you deserve them and whatnot. And I'm like, yep, yep. Sounds right. Sounds right. Yep. That's what I just said. Um, And then she said, well, how about when Tina, your wife, compliments you? How does that go? And in the beginning, when we first started uh, going steady, um, like it didn't, And when she complimented me, it just kind of flew in one ear and out the other. I was like, ah, you're supposed to love me. Ah, this is young love. Ah, you're just nice. Ah, you're a soft Midwesterner. Ah, you're a, right? Like I, whatever, whatever the thing is that I would insert in some of those moments, it were all stories that I told myself so that I didn't actually hear her compliment as a real one. Um, And that was really hard for me. Uh, That was really hard for me to switch and to start realizing that, wait, maybe she actually does mean these things. Maybe she actually does think the world of me and believe in me and think that what I put out is worthy um, and of other people's uh, opinions and thoughts and whatnot. And it took me a while to get to that place, but it's so powerful, that moment that you spoke about where you just kind of succumbed to – I'm gonna let this person love me the way that they can love me the best, mm-hmm. right? And that's what Jake does for you. And it's really incredible uh, to watch what he does because, you know, a lot of times, like if we're going to look at a car engine, we are like, oh, this car engine's got 500 horsepower. This thing's going to put you down a quarter mile, sub 11 seconds. And it's like a beautiful engine, but we don't ever think about the grease and the oil that actually makes the engine run because a lot of us don't care about that. We don't want to focus on that. We want to focus on the big, sexy idea. But people like Jake... Are down to get greasy, right? Mm-hmm. And get in there and answer these customer service emails. No one wants, no one's like, hell yeah, I wanna do customer service emails, <laughs> right? Like, that's terrible, um, right? No one's like, hell yeah, grocery shopping, let's go, unless they have kids and they wanna get away from them. Um, but the thing is, is that it's really beautiful that you had this moment, um, that you had this moment where you're like, no, maybe you are exactly what I need. Mm-hmm. Even though we're in different places, uh, and I think I don't know. I just think it's really beautiful to listen to the way that you talked about it and you talked about him.
1: Yeah, and and we've talked about it before too, where he feels like he's dreaming more because of me, you know, and mm-hmm. and like he now plays like a pretty prominent role in our business, um, and you know he like. Had it not been for us getting together, he might not be living this entrepreneur lifestyle or what? Because he played football his entire life, and so his whole life was so structured. It's like mm-hmm. now you work out, you go to practice. This is what you eat today. You know, you go to class or whatever. And so me coming in, we're like, I don't know what's gonna happen today, but I hope we don't lose money. Like that. That's it. That's it. <laughs> um, and so I feel like we both tugged a little bit about like where we were both standing and we have enough common values and similarities to where um our differences are actually synergistic and i think that that's where like in relationships where differences can play together is like yeah i'm a i'm a go-getter i'll i'm a hustler jake's more let's think this through Um, let me like put together more of a strategy. Like, let me see what other people have done. Yeah. More Mm -hmm. pragmatic, but that like top 10% of like, why we're doing this, why it's important, what we hope to achieve is the same. So when that's the case, like our differences are actually freaking awesome. Like the other day we got (laughs) like the IRS was like, you didn't pay your taxes. I was like, well, yeah, we did. And it's like, that's like a call you never want to get. And he was the one that was like, well, I'm going to call the IRS and tell them, like, show them our receipt number. And then I'm like, that sounds like my root canal, like spending two hours, like calling the IRS to show them that we paid our taxes. And he's like, got to do it because we got to move, you know? And, and so he's happy to do that stuff because he knows that it's like, okay, this is adding to that 10% that we both want to do. So I think when you think about relationships in terms of differences, it's like, that's great. Like, it's okay to be different as long as you have the same things that you're aspiring to together. And like those same values, which I know sounds like super cliche, but it couldn't be more apparent in like the setup that we have now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful, Jess. And and what it's enabled you to do is it's enabled you to stay that same business minded, uh, like go getter that you are, right? Like, I mean, one thing that is so uh, super impressive about you is that you put out a lot of products um, and you put out a lot of things. And that's something that I know uh, that Uh, You know, just to speak candidly, there's moments where I'm envious of it, where it's like, how is she doing another thing? Like, I'm still working on my one thing. Like, how has she got another thing? Um, Right? And I'm over here, and it's just, it's really, it's really cool to watch it. And then I'm like, and she's doing all this from the woods in Montana. What are you doing, bro? Right? You know what I mean? And so it's interesting. Obviously, we can always write stories about somebody else's success. Right. And mm-hmm. we can easily turn those into stories of, of ourselves as well, of like you're not doing enough. We all know the comparison is the thief of joy and, and whatnot. And so comparing ourselves never really wins. And so I try to shut that down. But yeah. the thing that we were talking about that was really beautiful is that because of some of the strength that you yourself came into the game with some of your hustle that you yourself came with. And then you combine that with some of the, uh, with some of the love that Jake gives you and, and some of the belief that he gives you. And it kind of makes you this unstoppable juggernaut, right? Mm-hmm. This beautiful uh, beacon of like, fuck it, let's go. Let's yeah. try it. And that's one yeah. of the things that I admire the most about you is that you are very, you come from a place of like, Let's see. Let's just yeah. see. And I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit to that because not mm-hmm. everybody has the fortitude to just be like, I'm going to see this through. I'm going to put out this product, right? A lot of people have ideas. A lot of people even brainstorm, but not a lot of people start putting the pen to the paper and dream about the RV trip to the point where they actually do it. Not a lot of people come to the idea of like, hey, there are kids who I could really help out a lot. And just a small, tiny, cheap headband would put smiles on thousands and hundreds of thousands of faces. How can I figure out how to get headbands to hundreds of thousands of kids with cancer? I'm gonna figure it out, right? A lot of us have those ideas, um, but we don't see it through. Where do you think some of that fortitude comes in in your life? Like where, where did you develop that?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, Cause right now, if I'm thinking about it, I'm like, okay, I'm constantly running like a cost benefit analysis in my mm-hmm. head. I'm like, this is something I want. What would be the gain? And what would be the risk or what would I have to do in terms of time and money to make it happen? And so it seems very like formulaic now. Um, One time uh, I, someone's called me impulsive and it was someone that it was like, it was a a hire that I made. It wasn't working out. Um, And she was just like, yeah, it was just not a great situation. She said I was, she's like, well, you're just so impulsive about things. And I'm like, you know what? Impulsivity has never um has never been a bad thing for me because like anytime I pull the trigger on something, it either works out and I was like quick to fire and or it didn't, and I have like all of this information that like I didn't have before. Um and I try to be respectful of like what I ask for my team and not like running fire drills, like now we're doing this, like now we're, you know and making sure that everyone's like, you know, can catch up on that speed. Um, But like, you know, the opposite of impulsive is, you know, just like analysis paralysis. And I'm like, I just don't think that, I've never met someone that's like, I'm really successful because I've thought everything through. It's like, because you can think (laughs) everything through. And it's still not gonna go the way that you thought it was going to. So you Mm -hmm. might as well just go for it. But as far as like where it came from, um, you know, it's funny, like as a kid, kid, I feel like my parents were never these like, I'm gonna lecture you and give you all these life lessons. Mm -hmm. But the way that they lived their life was that style of just like, why not? Like my mom biked from New York to California like, on a bicycle, and uh, she loves biking, and one time, um, when she was in college, she went to George Washington in D.C., and she lived in New York, and she was going to go home for Thanksgiving, but she, um, and she decided to bike. She was like, I'm just going to bike home from Washington, D.C. to Mm -hmm. Long Island, like, and she was just like, I'll just figure it out. Like, there was no, like, Google Maps or whatever. She, like, hopped in some guy's truck at one point because they wouldn't allow bikes across this certain bridge. And she's like, whatever happens, like, I'm just going to figure it out. Like it's going to be fine. And my dad, you know, he played, (laughs) played division one football, just like constantly just going for it. And so I feel like when I would look at their life, um, that they lived and continue to live. And my dad, like one day, just when I was in middle school, um, he had a really great job as like a um a general manager for like a health club and was mm-hmm. just like i have this really great idea and i want to do it and quit his job and started this company he turned our upstairs bathroom into his office hired my mom to run customer service 10 years later they sold it and lived in an rv so it was like i was constantly witnessing this impulsivity to follow your passions and this um understanding that you like you only have one life um and i would be lying if i didn't acknowledge the fact that like my family went through some serious shit when i was in high school being involved in this like pretty um public scandal where i think it also just reminded us that like this is all we got because like we can't control anything that happens clearly Mm -hmm. so if there's something that you want might as well just go for it. Um, And I will say it's gotten a little bit harder, you know, as time has gone on where I feel like the fish tank has had more of an audience, you know? Because I think sometimes it's easier to fail when no one's watching. And then all of a sudden you feel like you're in front of more people, you are like, well, what would happen if this doesn't work out? Um, So I think I've gotten, like, I have to stay true to that because it's gotten a little bit harder to maintain as my platform has gotten bigger.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> where does that pressure come in? Like, as you mentioned, like, I'm just curious, like as your platform has gotten bigger, you said it's gotten harder. Why is it? Is it because does it feel like, does the fall feel like it's from higher now? Uh, or does it feel like cause you're letting more people down? Is it because you think that individuals have these expectations of you and now you need to hit those expectations? Like where, like where, um, yeah. where does some of that emotion come in?
1: Well, I'm currently trying to figure that out and because it has been such like been giving me this like debilitating anxiety that I'm just not on board with and like you know for example on Monday like Tina's a part of this writers conference that I'm hosting Mm -hmm. and one of the first videos that we did live like ended up freezing and I literally thought that I like was like oh my gosh all of these people are now like Who does Jess think she is running a conference when she can't get her video to play? And I'm like, I am spending this time creating this narrative for people that like they probably aren't even saying. And the reality is, is like people probably think a lot less like about me than I think that they actually do. Um, But it's just those like when you reach more people, there's going to be people that don't like you. And there's gonna be people that are like, I don't agree with what you said, or I didn't like your this or that or whatever you put out there, and so though that small percentage of people, let's say it's two percent, um, gets exponentially like louder, you know, in in your mind rather than the ninety eight percent of people who are like, hell yeah, this is life changing. Um, so for me, it's like understanding that that two percent is a part of the package deal if you look at Brene Brown, if you look at anyone who is like doing something with their life where they have this cult following, they all have that 2%. So mm-hmm. um, for me, I think that the 2% is new uh, mm-hmm. because I'm just now seeing these numbers. Um, and I think it, it's just getting a little bit like, I'm, I'm just learning how to manage that if that makes sense of like, how, what do I make this mean? Do I listen to it? Do I not even read it? Do I respond? Like it's just 20 different questions that come through your head to the point where you literally are like blocking out all of this other amazing stuff that's happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It takes over. It takes over your whole, your whole thread of life. Um, Yeah. That's fascinating to think about, right? Cause I mean, obviously, uh, Ellen DeGeneres this summer found her 2%. (laughs) Um,
1: maybe <laughs> uh, a little uh, more dwell. than two now, but yeah, yeah, a
0: little bigger than two. Uh, there, yeah. Ellen, uh, she's back out here doing her thing. Um, but uh, I liked her
1: monologue when she came back. I thought it was
0: good. I thought she, I thought she handled it. Uh, I thought she handled it yeah. well, and it'll be curious to see what the action looks like behind the scenes. Uh, that's Same. ultimately what it'll really look like, <clears throat> but yeah. uh, but you know I was listening to you mentioned Brene Brown and I was listening to one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to is called Armchair Experts with Dax Shepard. Um, my and, favorite, uh, hands yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, for sure, it's so good. Uh, as you can tell, uh, an influence here <clears throat> for sure. And uh, um, and he had Brene Brown on, and uh, and one question he asked Brene was you know, what is it like to be, I mean, you're, you're a scholar, you're all of these things. And now people see you as this icon. He's like, you know, what is it like to be you? Like, do you have individuals, uh, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people around you that are getting burnt out and they feel like they need to live to these crazy expectations and have this insane output and do everything perfectly. And like, you know, when they're walking through the grocery store, they got to have the perfect kids and stuff like that. And Brene, Brene just started laughing And she's like, that's where I did one of the most unintentionally smart things that I've done in my life. And she's like, and I branded myself as the authenticity woman. She's (laughs) like, I branded myself as the woman who like, I mess up all the time. And like, that's part of my story and part of my shtick. And so I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know how you didn't see this coming. Yes, that is my kid throwing a tantrum in the grocery aisle because I'm not perfect. Right. Right? (laughs) And so, uh, it's really interesting to think about that because as you are developing the brand that is Jess Ekstrom, uh, I think you have done an incredible job of humanizing yourself. And I think that's one of the reasons why this, you know, this, this, uh, this glitch in the writer's conference is really nothing. Um, yeah. right. And it's also one of the reasons why, I mean, the other day you posted about how you recorded two hours of video and you found out that your uh-huh. mic was muted. Right. Uh, <laughs> But it's interesting because you've also kind of, with the addition of your book, Chasing the Bright Side, you have also a little bit branded yourself as the optimism woman. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, and so there's a pressure that I could see potentially getting put on you to not have good days or to not have bad days or to not have bad moments, right? It's like, hey, I went through this shitty thing and now I got to find the bright side because I wrote a damn book about it. What if it just sucks and it's stupid? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's an interesting okay. pressure really. to put on yourself, but yet the people that love you and follow you um, are down for it. Right? Yeah. They're, they're down for the slips and the struggles, and they appreciate it, right? I mean, that's a lot of what I I know that I teach to audiences is, is that idea that we have to teach through those slips and struggles because that's where humanity yeah. lies, that's where relatability is. Um, yeah. but it's super hard to do that. While you're growing a brand that you think everything you do matters, because yeah. you're excited about it, and it hasn't had this completely proven success model yet, where it's kind of mm-hmm. on autopilot um, and it's still kind of new and growing.
1: Yeah. So that's yeah.
0: yeah. The I, that you put I, on interesting to hear about.
1: It's interesting because um, you know I want to show up as myself, you know, and that's like. I didn't realize like sometimes how hard that would be because people are like, oh, you're the headbands girl. Like you must be like mother Teresa. I'm like, well, I actually curse like a sailor. And you know, that's, (laughs) that's me. And uh, I thought it was funny with Ellen in her opening monologue. She was like, you know, I was labeled as this like be kind person. And she's like, I don't recommend doing that because that's like part of me, but it's not all of me. And, um, being the, the optimism person, the chasing the bright side, like if people read the book, they understand that like optimism is actually not about the happy times. It's about having the shitty days and, and then using them to create something better. And there's no timeline for that. Like it took me 11 years to make sense of, you know, my, what happened in in high school and with my family It it, just because you don't see the bright side yet doesn't mean that that like silver lining isn't developing, but it was actually, I haven't told anyone this before, but I finally like, I was like, okay, this is might've been like a year ago. I was like, I'm going to just start showing up as myself on social media in what I do. Like, I'm not going to try to hold back my sense of humor, you know, and all of it. And (laughs) I was traveling somewhere. And uh, I was flying Frontier Airlines, which is like, not my favorite airline. And uh, I posted some Instagram story about like, um, wouldn't it be funny if Frontier had like, um, a lounge, you know, in airports where they like, if Frontier had an airline lounge, they would serve like half eaten granola bars, or if Frontier had an airline lounge it would be like bring your own chair or like you know all of and I just kind of like went on this riff of like if Frontier had this airline lounge it'd be like you know all this stupid stuff and this person you know replied back and was just like you know I've been following you for a while and like this just doesn't feel like you it feels icky like even though you don't like Frontier like people still work there and da 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 And so I just like took it down because I had this panic. I was like, oh my gosh, people saw the real me and they didn't like it, you know? And, um, I think that is such a, like a real thing that sometimes people in our industry experience is like, yes, I'm the person on stage that can make you laugh and, you know, give you the lesson. But like, if you see all of me, will you still like me where I have like kind of a crude sense of humor, I have like these, a lot of these flaws and, everyone does, but it's a matter of like, do you choose to lead with them? And do you choose to let people into that? Or are you going to kind of try to stay firm on this, like, be in this glass case of like, this is who I am to the public. This is who I am in private. I don't want to have that distinction. Um, So yeah, it's like, it's been weird trying to figure out like, I want to show up as myself, but I know I'm going to lose people if I do that. But maybe that also means I'm going to gain the right people, too. Um, So, yeah, it's been kind of interesting. Sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to go down too deep into this rabbit hole, but we have a mutual friend named Brittany um, who has certainly been posting some very uh, some profound opinions um, that are very polarizing. Um, Right. And that those are her thoughts. And she's posting about it. And it's interesting to watch the way she's gaining followers by posting more controversial things. And you wonder, like, what's going on there. Right. Um, And so it's it's a fascinating way to do it for sure. But Jess, Mm -hmm. fear not to quote uh, John Legend. All of me loves all of you. And so (laughs) I'm excited that you uh, are experimenting with what it looks like to be authentic and be congruent across yeah. all of your platforms well um, and i think that, the answer yeah.
1: sorry to interrupt the answer came to me with the black lives matter movement which i'm mm-hmm. so glad you have that in your room right now but i decided you know it wasn't even a decision it was like a no-brainer that i was like yes mm-hmm. this is what i'm going to use my platform for this year and I'm going to be a part of this movement. I am going to, you know, like, I'm going to be a part of the conversation. Um, and I'm going to bring, like, my black friends on to talk to people I am going to, I given my Instagram account to some of my black friends to take over, like, I want to use my platform to be a part of this. And I lost, like, when you looked at like my Instagram analytics, it was like, there was a loss, but then there was also a gain of new people. And I'm like, I love that because those people who aren't standing behind this, like, I don't want to waste my breath on you. You know, like this is not for you if you don't want to be a part of this discussion. And I'm so glad that people who do also found me from this. So I feel like the aftermath of standing for something is you're giving people a chance to react to you. And you can't control what that reaction is going to be. All you can control is what you stand for. So focusing more on what I stand for, in a way that makes sense to me, and feels good to me, the people, the right people are going to find me and the wrong people are going to drop off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I kind of found that clarity, the past couple of months, actually.
0: Yeah. And it was beautiful to watch the way you used your platform as well. I thought you did it in a really, uh, in, in a really humbling way. Um, in a really honest way where it was kind of like, you know, Hey, I don't know everything, but I'm trying to learn. And you posted a lot. And, you know, I know you've been very, uh, very outspoken about Brianna Taylor. And so today is uh, a little bit of bullshit, uh, unfortunate with, uh, with learning about what yeah. is not going to be happening to the people who murdered her. Um, and, uh, the police officers that is that murdered her. Um, and, uh, and, and so, uh, but it, the, I like the way that you just put it that, you know, I, I looked at the analytics, and yeah, there was a drop-off, but also there was this bump, and that's so hard. I know for me, I've talked about on here before, that I have an Achilles heel that I need individuals to like me, and it's hard – it's hard to figure out. It's all good. Ollie's Ollie's always rooting for you. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) He said, go off, son. Um, so, uh, but you know, I have an Achilles heel where I need people to like me. And so sometimes what that looks like for me is I'm going to be authentic and vulnerable, but in a way that I have this little package that I'm going to share with you. Right. It's like, no, here's my authentic moment. Here's my thing. And like, I'm going to deliver that to you in a controlled manner, um, especially often to strangers and big audiences that won't hold me accountable. um, Right. And so it's interesting to note the way that we often share ourselves um, and, and, and what comes from it. Because I know I'm getting better at being more vulnerable. It's one of the reasons why I love this this podcast because it's like, yo, let's talk about it. Let's put it out there. Um, and, uh, and so getting over that fear of people not liking me, though, is definitely an uphill battle. Right. I know right now is I we moved to a new place a year ago and I'm, you know, in, in a desperate search for friends and people to like me here because I want to spend time with people. And then COVID came through and said, hold my beer. Um, but uh, but it's interesting, that process of trying to get individuals to like you and want to hang out with you and think about you. Um you know, on the friendship side, but also on the follower side, on the customer side. Um, And so we see a bunch of celebrities that try to shoot the middle and it just doesn't work. We lose respect for individuals that are trying to only stay in the middle. Uh, And so uh, I think it's really beautiful what you have done and that you've just been like, no, screw it. This is who I am. I'm going to put myself out there, take it or leave it.
1: And also, like, I feel like a part of that, too, is being able to recognize where you have room for growth in that, you know, it's not just like, oh, yeah, this is what I stand for. It's like, yeah, I stand for this. But now I also realize that, like, some of my what I stand for, my beliefs haven't matched up with these actions, like on the speaker circuit, you know, I speak a lot. And I'm always getting asked by events, like, who should we bring in next? And I always had these kind of core three women that I thought were great speakers. And I realized all three of those women were white. And so I think like, a part of it, um, a part of the discussion that I wanted to be a part of was not just like, in educator mode. Um, and that's the other thing I think about people in this space is like, a bone that I have to pick is like speakers, writers, all this, they're so quick to teach the lesson, but so hesitant to share their personal experience, like of where they fell short. Mm -hmm. Um and I don't wanna do that. Like I'm not like I've realized it's important to teach like treat everyone equally. And it's just like, well yeah, no shit. But where have I been like a part of the problem so I can be a part of the solution? Because something that i've learned being in this space is that people only go as deep as you go so Mm. if i am telling people like oh yeah everyone should be treated equally people are like cool yeah i I agree but if i'm like look i've been a part of the problem because i realize i've only been referring white women to speaking engagements like this is how i'm going to be part of the solution where i'm only referring women of color moving forward like what are you, what are you doing? Like, where can you find, like, where have you been baked into an ecosystem or a pattern where you don't even realize that you've been a part of the problem. And so I think that like the vulnerability side too, um, has been big in recognizing where I fall short.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's really hard to, uh, realize that you learned a really comfortable version of history and you've been living Mm -hmm. a really comfortable patterned life. And then be like, Oh shoot, maybe I'm not helping. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Totally, Hurting, but I'm not helping. Um, and what does helping look like? Um, yeah, I think that's been one of the most beautiful thing that's come out of, you know, some of the last four or five months in our country is a lot of people have learned that. Yeah. Um, and so,
1: Do you feel like, um, you in order to like teach something or speak on something that you have to have mastered it?
0: Uh, no, I don't believe so. No, I, uh, um, yeah, I think, I think that individuals who think they have to complete the task before they turn around and help someone else with it, so, help someone else with it. I think they're missing a huge opportunity, right? When I think about my, role models, for example, I think about individuals that I think are two or three years ahead of me, um, and not just in age, maybe in business or in whatnot, right? Um, and, uh, and I think of individuals that are two or three years ahead of me because their breadcrumbs haven't disintegrated yet, right? Uh, and so when I think of great speakers that I admire, right, like I put, I put you on that list um, and I put some other individuals that, like I'm still seeing you try and not quite hit it out of the park, then hit it out of the park and whatnot. I'm like, oh, okay, that's great because I'm currently in this state of flux of trying. Um, yeah. and that gives me more confidence to try watch, so, watching someone along the way. Um, so yeah, that's why I tell people not to just like quote other people and then drop the mic, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I want you to follow it up with your quote, with your story. Yeah. Um, because I'm gonna miss
1: 100% of the shots you don't take. Oh, um, <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott,
0: yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, Wayne Gretzky, or my, who, yeah, choose your favorite um, <laughs> uh, So, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, we have to teach through our own stories uh, Because that, the, the power of relatability is critical, right? When we see ourselves in somebody else, we believe that we can And so teaching through relatability is critical, um, for sure
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree I think for me, it's like 10% if I feel like I am 10% ahead of whatever this is, then I can teach it.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: I think the the downfall for people is to f- have this false sense of like mastery of like any time that I, in order to write a book or to be a speaker, then I have to be the, the person, you know, the guru. I have to have like created a new law of gravity or whatever it might be. And that's just, not the case. And I I love that about you and I think you're right. I think that people have to be able to see yourself in them in order to to feel like it could be them. Yeah.
0: That's a story that we tell ourselves, right? A story that we consistently tell ourselves is I need to do blank before I can do blank. Right? We see yeah. it with speakers all the time. I need to write a book in order to be a speaker or I need to do I need to start a company in order to do this or I need to do blank in order to do this. That that thing that we put in the middle is a story that is a barrier that we've put in our own way there are very few things that we need to do before we want to do the thing we want to do right like for example if you want to be a doctor i'm gonna need you to go to medical school okay like don't skip that um right don't be like is there a yeah, doctor in the just house Just do well, it we yes, will figure
1: uh, it out yeah, <laughs> yeah right, yeah.
0: right like the but for the here. most part for most of our goals, for most of our goals that we have, especially when it come to like starting businesses or uh, writing projects or or just even hobbies, we tell ourselves, "Well, it's, I got in order to do that, I got to lose I got to lose thirty pounds, and then I can do this." Or I got to blank before yeah. I can blank. Those are lies. Those are stories that we tell ourselves that keep us from moving.
1: Yeah, no, it one hundred percent is, and I can be so guilty of that. Not even, like, um, I have to be able to do this to do that, but I have to be able to do this to feel this way. So, like, Mm. um, you know, I have to be able to sell a certain amount of copies in order to feel like Chasing the Bright Side was a successful book. You know, I have to be able to, um, like, have this amount of, people in my course in order to feel like I've actually created a a good course Mm -hmm. um and I think that like when we do that we are just delaying the joy that we work so hard to like arrive at um so I know we've talked about this before but like I just uh I think that it's Sometimes it's the gas in my tank, you know, that I'm like never fully satisfied, but it's also the thief of my joy, you know, of like, mm-hmm. when do I kick my heels up at the end of the day? You know, is it when I'm yeah. dead? <laughs> like, cause I don't want that.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I knew I had a yeah. problem with one of my favorite quotes was sleep is for people that don't have any plans. Um <laughs> Right. Like (laughs) maybe that's when I knew I had a problem. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about, Uh, um, (laughs) but yeah, no, for sure. And I I love, I love what you said. Right. And we could quote Hamilton all day. You'll never be satisfied. And, uh, and like, you know, why do we always write like we're running out of time? And uh, and and that is something that we need to take moments uh, to pause and just take that beat and be like, the world existed before me. The world is going to exist after me. Totally and everyone, yeah. we need to remember that. Uh, and yeah. have you ever yeah.
1: unplugged before for like an extended period of time, like a week or something?
0: Uh, I did it, uh, yes. I did it for a week and a half. Um, right around the time of my divorce, I went and uh, I stayed in this adorable A-frame just outside of Montpelier, Vermont. I uh, fun the fact: picture. Montpelier, yeah. the only state capital that doesn't have a McDonald's in it. Um, but uh, <laughs> but so well, I went. I went to I was it and dying I stayed in- To know that. Yeah, exactly. You're welcome. We only come with the hard facts here on Diner Talks. Um, but uh, so we stayed in this A-frame. It had a, a mini fridge, a little love seat, and then upstairs was a queen mattress on a on the floor, and uh, no Wi-Fi, no anything. And I, I went up there uh, to kind of process why I was going through the potential end of a relationship. What had I I done to get us to this point? Uh, What had I not done to get at this point? And also there was this pit in my stomach that I was just like, I'm not happy, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't name it. And that was hard. It was hard to just tell my parents, well, I'm just not happy. And they're like, well, figure it out. Right. Like, and, uh, understandably so. Um, but I was like, I'm going to figure it out. And so I unplugged. That's when I got into meditation also um and just try to practice some some mindfulness that's also when i only bought uh grocery deli uh, i bought deli turkey and deli cheese because all i thought i deserved to eat were roll-ups and so that was a cool moment in my life um, Uh for sure torturing uh, yourself torturing myself
1: at least get the mayo and mustard to put on it come on you're (laughs) with that
0: Dry ass roll ups. Um, Did it work?
1: Did it work? Did you come out on the other side feeling like you made sense of it, or?
0: Yes. Yeah, Yeah. I came out of the other side with clarity, uh, which was really, which was really powerful. Um, And how was how was the first
1: two days though?
0: uh, The first two days were just me beating the shit out of myself. Yeah. Right. And just like you're a terrible person. I can't believe you did this. I can't believe we're in this place. No one deserves this. Uh, it was also me learning that as someone who wants so desperately to be liked by other individuals and who has always been, uh, you know, people's friends and looked up to and sought after for advice and whatnot. It's like, how are you now all of a sudden the person who's doing this to somebody else? Um, and I learned that I have the power and the capacity to hurt somebody Uh, which I didn't think I had the capacity to do. Uh, And that that taught me a lot. Uh, And uh, so, yeah, but I came out of the other side with a whole bunch of clarity and, uh, yeah, and and knowing a little bit more what work I needed to do.
1: Yeah. Um, I feel like the first few days, whenever we're in a place that doesn't have service or, like, we've arrived at a park that I'm not going to have, you know, any Wi-Fi or whatever for a week. The first few days are angsty because you have these patterns of like, oh, I'm <laughs> sitting on the toilet, I'm gonna check my phone, I'm you know, whatever, like I'm gonna listen to music. Like, and you have you realize that you just like so much of what's baked into your life is being anywhere from where you actually are. Um, and so it's always and and the funny part is is like whenever I arrive at a place where I know I'm not going to have service. I'm like, great. This is the time for me to realize all the shit that's like in me that I didn't know existed. And (laughs) like, I am like waiting there to be like enlightened. I'm like, why isn't it happening yet? And I put this like pressure on myself. And and so it takes a few days. I feel like when you actually like unplug to get silent and be okay Mm -hmm. with just your own thoughts um and and then the other part of it and I think this is like how I started thinking of it was like you think that like the world is going to end without your connection <laughs> to it and I'm like why do I think so highly of myself I'm like I come back and I'm like dreading opening my inbox I'm like yeah. what is gonna happen da, 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 da. like did everything crash and burn and it's like oh sales went up since you've been gone. And we actually got like a lot more done. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> um, that's good news and bad news for me, because great, you guys can handle it. But I'm also not as important as I thought I was. So it's always like a gut check for me whenever we go somewhere where I physically can't have any kind of connection to the outside world. I'm like, you know, it's, yeah. it's all fine
0: especially in the middle of the growth that you're currently experiencing, right? Like that's uh, that's that's gotta be hard for sure. Um, and it's, it's one thing to hire a team that you trust. It's another thing to then trust them, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <It's
1: laughs> so true, so true. Um, like I've been, uh, you know, I made a lot of um, hires this year, actually mm-hmm. some really big hires. Uh, and it was just so funny because it's like at a point where, Literally, like my speaking income plummeted, like all like so financially was probably has been like the worst year of my life. But I'm like, this is I committed that this is going to be a build year where it's like I have never not been on a plane every week. I have never had so much stillness in time. So it's like, let me build something magnificent and take this risk by like getting people on my team to do that. Um, but, I, and I immediately like found myself as soon as these people came on, jumping into my old habits where it was like, well, I, I know how to do this. So like, let me just go, you know, sh- change this hyperlink on the website or like, you know, it would just be easier if I went and designed all these emails. And I'm just like, why did you bring all these people on your team, <laughs> give up like almost all of your finances to do it? for you to just change the fucking hyperlink it's like (laughs) what you know and so you really have to like some point say to yourself like the best thing that i can be doing right now is doing the thing that i do best and that's not changing the hyperlink on the website it is speaking writing telling my story and helping other women do the same thing Mm -hmm. um and everyone else can fill in the blanks and they're better at it than i am
0: Yeah, the best thing that I can be doing right now is doing the thing that I am best at. My friend, yeah. I love it. We kind of brought it back to that RBG quote that I quoted earlier. Uh, and, and what an incredible quote to end on as well. Jess, there's a segment that I love to do on this show and I forgot to do it with you, but I still want to. And so I think we're going to end on it instead of doing it in the middle. Um, okay. And so, uh, so it's a segment uh, that I like to call uh, here are some things that you didn't know about me that you now are glad that you do. You should know, Jess, that the name of the segment changes every single week, uh, but the point stays the same. (laughs) And so, Uh, Jess, let's lighten it up after a brilliant conversation. I want to know some random facts about you. I'll share one first. I'll share one first, and then uh, then I'll throw it back at you. So every single day from kindergarten until basically in my senior-ish year in high school, my mother would make me lunch before school. Very grateful for her. What she would make is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and then do two cookies. And that's all I had for lunch for the entirety of my, for the entirety of my, uh, of my school's tenure. And so school's tenure, that wasn't the right, my tenure in school. And, uh, and so that was it. And th- at one point she, we added in a juice box. It was a Kool-Aid squeeze-it which is a terribly designed thing. Um, it's Kool-Aid squeeze-it. If you remember, do you remember the squeeze-its?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: and so they're filled all the way up to the top, and the only way that you can you got you have to squeeze it and then twist the top in order for it to come out. But then inevitably, Kool Aid goes everywhere. Kool Aid, the most notorious staining thing in the world. Uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't good. But and the Kool Aid would would serve as a steamroller, and it would roll into a fine paste my peanut butter and jelly sandwich and it would smash both cookies but at least I had something to drink with my lunch and that's what I had uh for lunch in elementary school through high school
1: oh my gosh okay so mine aren't as elaborate um something you should know about me is like I can handle a lot of things but I cannot handle a nail file you file your nails in front of me, I am gone. Like, and we might not ever talk again. Like that's how bad it is. Like it is, I literally have goosebumps talking about nail files right now. I just, there's something about it that just sends a shiver down my spine. So there's that. But then also when you were talking, it made me think about lunch. And I feel like when I got good at, sales and like kind of figuring out like what do people need and what do they want was in the elementary school cafeteria my mom okay. would always pack me these she's a health nut so she's like oh I packed you these like you know peanut wraps with like kale or you know whatever it is <laughs> I'm like, god I don't want this I just want to get like a burger like everyone else and I want a Twinkies or like what were those things with the um, oatmeal raisin and like the cream in the middle, little Debbie? Uh, little Debbie, little oh, Debbie's all Oh my god! There. I was For like, sure. I need that. Where's she life. today? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would like come up with ways to like add a compelling trade to my lunch of like, how do I convince someone with the like fried chicken sandwich to take this salad that I don't want at all. And so I think that that was like where I truly got started and like discovering how to talk to people and figuring out what their pain points are and like how to how to manipulate it. So I'm not manipulating, but you know what I mean? Like, I think that that was like, that was the start for sure.
0: That's incredible.
1: <laughs> oh, and then I would always eat dessert first. And the teacher would get mad. She's like, you can't eat your cookie first. I was like, if I eat the cookie and then the sandwich, or if I eat the sandwich and then the cookie, like, what's the difference? I don't understand why this is a rule. Like, so that was something I started to feel pretty passionate about from a young age.
0: Started, started early with your rebellious streak. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching I the commercials either. for like, yeah. Well, yeah, of course, naturally, naturally. Yeah. And as long as we're on the topic of Little Debbie's, whenever you eat those uh, those magic uh, brownie bars, what I do is I mm-hmm. eat all the, the brownie part first, and I take the icing off, and I, I eat the icing last.
1: Wow, savor right. it.
0: Savor it. Icing's the best part. I
1: love part. it. Yeah, it. I mean, that's what I do with Oreos, but that's like a bold move to do that with the brownies, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fair. a strategy.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's a uh, lot sure. that could go wrong.
0: Your uh, your Oreo one leads me to my my last fact, um, and that is uh, one of the t- one thing that I did to Tina one time that uh, she'll never let me uh, let go, and understandably so. I don't think she should, um, and I, I'm a proponent for letting most things go, but she should hold on to this. Is that uh, you know we were driving one time, we were driving one time, and she we we had gotten to a rest stop, and she had gotten some Oreos, and she was eating the oreos and eating the oreos the way you're supposed to right where you take the top off and you eat the cookie part first um and so she had taken the top off and eaten the cookie part first and then i reached over and grabbed the cream side and shoved it into my mouth oh my god (laughs) you should
1: be in jail okay well okay can i say one more thing and then we can be done please do oh yeah for sure Jake and I had just started dating and um, we've been dating for a couple months and I was still in the phase where I'm like, I'm the cool girlfriend. Anything goes like, you can't upset me. Like this is, you know, we're just having fun. And so that was the phase that I was in. And then we went to dinner and we ordered an appetizer and there were these Mac and cheese balls. And uh, so they come to the table with these four Mac and cheese balls.
0: Mm-hmm. Just me sounds like cheesecake factory. So-
1: Tell me if you were at dinner with Tina and four mac and cheese balls hit the table. Yeah. How many would you get? How many would she get?
0: Ideally, we'd do two and two.
1: Okay, um, yeah. But I would
0: that's... also secretly hope that she would like be like, I just want one and a half. <laughs> um, but... well, I'm not
1: that kind of girl.
0: So <laughs> neither uh... is she. Neither is <laughs> she.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love Tina. So we're eating and like. I'm eating my mac and cheese while he's eating his, he goes for another one. I'm like, cool. You know, sounds good. I'm still eating my first one. He finishes a second reaches for the third. And I was like, Oh, hell no. Like this is not happening. And so that was the pivot point in our relationship where I was like, this is not about being the cool girlfriend anymore. Like this, when we get an appetizer, it is split evenly and so from there on out we like get the nachos and like draw the line down the center I'm like you have yours I have mine (laughs) I tend to be proprietary over food I
0: I respect it I mean you know if we (laughs) uh we're nothing without our ethics um that's awesome I love it Jess Ekstrom it has been an absolute treat getting to spend time with you Uh, I can't thank you enough for coming into the diner and uh and sharing a bite with me
1: Thanks for having me. It's been so much fun. And I just love this series and can't wait to see what it turns into.
0: Hell yeah, friend! Hell yeah, and you, we'll have you back for sure. Um, Jess, if you'd like, uh, we'd love to have you hang out for some questions if you can. Uh, so, yeah. so hang out for just a minute. If you all have some questions for Jess, make sure you throw those into the chat right now so we can get to those. But my friends who are listening to this on the podcast, thank you so much for listening on the podcast. This is a brand new venture for me, and I'm really excited and honored to have you as one of the listeners. Uh, thank you so much for being here. If you're interested in hearing the Q and A with Jess X please go ahead and check out my youtube channel type in james t robo on youtube and you will see that her episode pops up pretty quickly uh, there in the diner talk section Uh, but until then my friends please continue to have meaningful conversations by punching small talk in the face by asking better questions you all take care podcast listeners Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Diner Talks with James. It was so much fun getting to hang out with you and finish our milkshakes in that squeaky red leather booth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you do me a favor and smash that subscribe button, that would be dope. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, well, <laughs> come on now, you're going to make me blush. <laughs> also, if you want to be a part of the action, we record these live on YouTube Live every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to YouTube and type in James T. Robo and smash that red subscribe button so you know when we go live next. Also, while we're on the subject, I'm James James T Robo all over the internet. I post meaningful content on Instagram, witty content on Twitter. Let's get connected in some other places, folks. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about the guest tonight, please check out the show notes. My friends, until next time, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Y'all take care.